the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's very special edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. There's no better place to get all of your sports information, long form, short form, podcast, live streams, the ad free content in the app or on the website. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. It is NBA trade deadline day. The trade deadline has just passed. So we're going to bring in Scott Allen here in just a second to break down the deals that were announced and a few that always kind of trickle in past the 3 p.m. deadline. Plenty to talk about today for sure. What did, what didn't happen. Instant analysis, certainly the numbers that went back and forth between teams. So Scott will be here in just a second with that. Then on the back end of the show, Cousin Dan is back for the final series of MLB offseason over-unders slash jersey selections. We're in the West, a very interesting West now with San Diego and the Dodgers kind of battling it out in the National League. And are the Angels better, good enough to compete with Houston in the AL West? So we break down every team, the over-under, a jersey selection, some off-season moves, all those good things with one week to go until opening day. So Cousin Dan on the backside, Scott here with NBA Trade Talk to start it off. But first, our friends at Dynasty Owner are back. Dynasty Football is back. It's fantasy football season as the free agent classes are signed. Most of the free agents are gone. There's still a decent amount of availability out there. We'll certainly get to that in the next couple of shows. But look, over $2 billion signed, 46% of that fully guaranteed. That means lots of changes, lots of new faces in new uniforms. What does that mean for fantasy football? The Dynasty Fantasy Football season is open at DynastyOwner.com, and it matters. If you have a team, you are adjusting because new contracts in Dynasty football mean harder, more difficult decisions to make. And that's how it works with Dynasty Owner. Real NFL contracts. You're using the average salaries for players on their current contract. You have to make transactions as the real NFL teams make transactions. It's uh, it's just how things work. It's a great, great system. Scott and I were lucky enough to be a part of it last year as kind of a beta test, and it was fantastic, a lot of fun. It is, you know, educated fantasy football. You've really got to know your stuff and pay attention and be kind of a power user, and I think that's exactly the audience they're looking for. Visit DynastyOwner.com today. Get yourself a team. Get invested in what is really just a full-out experience with real NFL contracts, DynastyOwner.com. Let's talk, Scott. Scott, welcome back. We uh, we expected big things from the NBA, as we always do, and they did not disappoint. I don't. I wouldn't say it was the best trade deadline we've had in, the, in our kind of 12 to 13 years of doing this, but it's pretty good. I mean, most of the na- major names we thought would go did go, with the exception of Kyle Lowry, who has officially, at least per terms of Woj, <laughs> Not leaving Toronto as of yet. So, you know, in a few months that might change, but not for the 2021 season. Let's start with Denver. Um, they got going early today. Bringing back JaVale McGee, a familiar face, a big man out of Cleveland, who's probably going to lose two big men here in the next couple of hours. Your thoughts on that move, financially speaking, Denver speaking, you know, postseason speaking. I, I think it's something that Denver had to do. You know, they were at the top of the standings and then they've fallen here in the last month or two. So it was a move that they had to do to shake some things up. Yeah. And a perfect compliment to, to, 
to Joker, right? This is a guy who doesn't need the ball, just wants to be on the boards, defending people, ripping things down, and playing garbage offense. You know, those yes, those off-ball rebounds that he can stuff back in kind of awkwardly. He's been doing this for forever now, and he should be on a contender every year. He's just that kind of a guy this time of year. So nice pickup there. They had They had bigger fish to fry. And, you know, the, the Gary Harris move out of Denver was reported a long time ago. It did happen. And it's Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a first to Orlando for Aaron Gordon. This was a, I don't know if this was a, a likely destination for Aaron Gordon. There were plenty of other teams involved. This is a good one, though. I mean, this is a an off-the-ball winger that Joker can now find. And, and he has become just one of those, one of the most dynamic passers in the game. So you give him another mouth to feed now with him and uh, and Murray. This is good news for Denver fans, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think out of the teams that were going to be going for Gordon, I don't think this was one of the teams in the top, you know, if you yeah, kind of a five, surprise, right? It, it was. And like I said, this is a move that helps Denver overall. They they get Gordon for an extra year. So it's not an expiring contract. I'm looking at that and it's front loaded. So it actually, they actually saved 2 million a cap next year in terms of his salary, which is really nice. So they get two years at 34 million, basically in terms of cap for a hell of an athlete who's not even 26 years old. Yeah. And they retain those rights. So if he likes it there, they can sign him for whatever they want to, because they'll get those bird rights. And I think it's a win for, um, for Denver, obviously Orlando is doing the opposite of what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> we'll get there. Right. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, last thing on, on, on Gordon, is he a good enough player or maybe has enough ceiling to become the number three player in a big three? If we're talking Joker Murray and now Gordon, is that enough? It could be it just depends on the chemistry. I think some, some uh, have been down on Gordon for certain aspects. I, I, I think some may think that he had already been at his ceiling yeah. and, you know, he was good one way and not good the other. But like I said, going to this scenario where you have a point guard in Murray, you know, in, in Orlando, they've been, They've had those issues the, with the the uh, injury bug and everything else, and yep. now they got Joker, who's uh, you know he's similar to a Vucevic, but yeah, he like is, said, but he, better, he, but better, and he passes, and it may allow Gordon to get a little bit more free, um, and then on top of it, they still have a Will Barton, they still have a Paul Millsap there, right. so you know they have the pieces around them now. With what Denver has, they have a lot of big men between Joker and Gordon and Millsap and, McGee and now. Michael Green, yeah. Michael Porter Jr. and McGee. You know, th- so they are going the opposite of what the the rest of the league has been doing and trying to acquire shooters and perimeter guys that they've pretty much stocked up on well, the let, inside. Let's be fair there's a direct correlation to why they're doing this. The team they're trying to beat is outstanding because of their size. And that's the Lakers. I mean, that's Anthony Davis, LeBron James and company are outstanding athletically and they can shoot some threes as needed. But when it comes crunch time, they're in the paint. 
they're get, they're ripping down offensive boards and, and putting it back and beating you that way. This team could, can conceivably be now built to match them. That's certainly what the what the mindset is here, and I give them credit for it because the Lakers are wounded ducks right now, and who knows if they're going to get back to full speed by the time that first round comes. There, hell, there's a chance they don't even stay in this playoff race if they continue to slide as far as that you know some could conceive it. Um, so you got to pounce. I'm surprised Utah didn't do more. I'll say that up front. I'm surprised that they didn't recognize the Lakers being down, the Clippers really not having the, the ability to get too much better today and really taking one step to push forward. They must love everything they have <laughs> because they made a small move this week and that's it. Um, so good. If it's good enough, then, you know, my foot's in my mouth, but I like that Denver decided to push today. They realized they were kind of a fringe contender in this West and they built themselves to beat the Lakers today. So I give them a ton of credit for that. What other trades? There's got to be what? 12, 13. Uh, two came in real late. So we're up to 17 total. Wow. And in previous years, uh, 2018 had 12, 2019 had 14, last year had 10. And I think according to my count for uh, deadline day trades, uh, we're at 17 right now. That'll do. That'll do. What What? Uh, what's the next one that tickled your fancy, Scott? Should we talk to this Orlando Magic situation? Yeah, let's do it because, you know, they they were out of the gun first. You know, they really, outside of the early small trades, you know, Orlando really got the ball going with moving Vucevic, then moving Yeah, how about that was the first trade, basically the first trade of the day. One of the biggest, actually probably the biggest player to move, right? Yeah, probably outside of, you know, Gordon. I mean, Orlando went down to the bare minimum here. You know, they moved, like I said, they moved Vucevic, then they went Fournier to Boston, and then and Gordon came in third uh, to to Denver. So they they moved pieces, brought some back in. They acquired um, uh, uh, some picks for that. Yeah. But, you know, for as much as Orlando is cutting it down, we saw Chicago make moves to get better. And like I said the, the other day when we were talking, you know, those teams in the middle, they had to decide what way they wanted to go. And Chicago being in the ninth seed, they determined that they wanted to be a buyer and and they bought. And, you know, a late trade that came in uh, past the 3 p.m. deadline here was they're they're trading with Boston to acquire Daniel Tice. So not only did they acquire Vucevic and Aminu, they've also acquired uh, a lot of Troy Brown Jr. Troy Brown Jr. from Washington. They acquired Mo Wagner, but they flipped him for Tice. So yeah. you know th- they're making the moves to try to make their team better now and see where it can get them. Well, and, and you spoke to this a bit before. You know this could help them get in at least into a playoff position you know, a play in position in that East, but these are also short-term moves. These are, these are next year moves. I mean, Vucevic is locked up here for two years and now they have the rights. So if he becomes the guy you can build around and many think he's that good, that he's a legitimate all NBA type player, you know, you put him with a couple of these rookies that have really started to pan out and they didn't move marketing today. So if they can figure it out marketing and get him scoring points, you know, that's a piece 
Now you see how it goes for three months with Vucevic and Markkanen on the same roster. And if it doesn't work, now you got a summer to make even more moves. I know they're in on players like Lonzo Ball. They want a, they want a true point guard. You know, is that a draft not a draft pick? Is that an offseason acquisition? Are they going after Kyle Lowry in free agency now that he's available in, via a sign and trade? Possibly. There's options. There's certainly options to keep this train moving in Chicago. Um, but from their side of it, they're easily one of the winners of the day without doing too much homework. And and let me give you one of the things we haven't even talked about. They offloaded 28.5 million of Otto Porter Jr. today in that, in that move. All right. That's easier said than done. We've seen these bad, bad signings get, get kind of bailed out here in the past. This is another example of that. You know, I, I had some fun on Twitter with Otto Porter. This, this dude made, made $124 million. I mean, and he was a role player in Washington. He was, he's a role player in Chicago. He can't stay healthy. Can't stay on the court. Uh, he's just kind of banking and, and giving his best effort when he's healthy, but just getting out of this contract frees them up now. You know, you, you won't have that cap hold to deal with next year. You can kind of maneuver this summer. I expect big things from Chicago. And even, even if it's not this season, they're setting themselves up nicely with Vucevic for next year. Um, so that's a team to watch for sure. But the Orlando side of it, Scott, let's, let's talk about the compensation that they got back for these three players. You know, Wendell Carter Jr. from Chicago, he's a, he's a young big man. Still needs some time to develop. That's kind of Orlando's thing, right? I mean, if they can kind of groom him into, into some version of, of the big men they've been able to produce before, that will be very, very, you know, successful for them over the next couple of seasons. You, you, we mentioned Gary Harris in the Aaron Gordon trade. He's a perfectly capable shooting guard. He's not a great shooting guard. He's a high energy guy. You know, all, all those intangible buzzwords you like to say, he's got it. He's going to, he's going to fit well with the young guards, you know, the Fultz and the, and the Isaac situation, even though they're both injured again, that's for next year. This is let's think ahead here with, with some of these players and then it's draft picks, right? Yes. They get two seconds yes. for Fournier. They get two, they get three firsts, one next year, one in 2023 and one in 2025. So nicely spread out first round compensation and maybe the best part because they, they traded Fournier to Boston on their trade exception, Orlando now gets a $17.1 million trade exception back for all of next season, basically, or up until the deadline next year. We've seen how important those have been at times, you know, I mean, Boston just gets a really nice player out of this one. What can Orlando do with that next year? So They've got ammo in a lot of different avenues. They They've got ammo. And if they want to rip it down and kind of rebuild through the draft, there's that option as well. But they can they can bring in some vets in, in a variety of ways now this offseason and try to patch this thing back together. Do you agree that it was the right time to move Nikola Vucevic? Was he, was he at an all-time high value, and did they get enough in return? Yeah, I, I think it probably was the time. I, I know people in Orlando, they they liked him and they're going to be sadly missing him. But Orlando decided it was time to press the eject button and moved everybody that they yeah. could. And, you know, kind of did right by him, too, because once you move on from Fournier and Gordon, you got a shell of a team left. And you're leaving this great player, well, you know, Russell the, Westbrook type team left, right? It's him well, and nobody. And the, and the fact that Vucevic went first was a sign that they were selling everybody. Yeah. You know, if, if it would have gone a different route, then I, I you may have said, all right, maybe they're going to retain one. Uh, but when 
When Vucevic went, you knew they were pushing that button. Otto Porter Jr., he is an expiring contract, so that's going to come off their books. They won't have to deal with that. It's a a rental for right now. Yeah, he was really just to get the trade matchable financially. Yeah, It was, and and it works out for Chicago. So you you can't fault – you really can't fault either – uh, either team for doing what they did, you know, they had to, Orlando had to do something and they feel like if Isaac and Fultz can come back, uh, fully healthy, and then you have a Gary Harris. And like you said, a Wendell Carter jr. On top of that, plus, uh, you know, those first round picks yeah. down the line, you know, they, they have the ammo and they're sort of trying to retool for next year. I mean, if you think about it, and it, it, there's really no – it's apples and oranges. But if you just think about what Houston received for Harden, you know, just on paper. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was a bunch of players involved, but Houston sent a bunch of things around. You know, it, it was essentially three firsts, you know, and a, couple of, and a couple of nice players, a couple of B players. So if you're looking at Vucevic as an a, a B player and Wendell Carter Jr. and two firsts, I think it's enough. I think that's a that's probably the going rate for an above average, maybe at times elite player in this league. That's probably enough. Once you start getting into the three firsts, you know, I feel like that's reserved for a special class of talent that he's not consistently living in right now. So I I can't kill it too much, and I and I actually love the destination. So I think I feel like that's jading my opinion a little bit. I think it's time for Chicago to get good again. And this might be step one in that process. We'll see what else they can do in the next couple of months. What else? What else stood off the Patriot today, Scott, of these, what, 17 or 18 moves? Uh, Norman Powell going to Portland. Yeah. You know, that, that I think is a game changer that I sort of talked about, you know, half jokingly and half not jokingly with Beal. You know, Nor- Norman Powell goes to Portland. That's a player that is an instant upgrade. They yeah. traded back to Toronto, Gary Trent Jr., who has really shown he can play, and then a Rodney Hood uh, for salary-matching purposes. But, you know, you've got McCollum and Lillard. Nurkic came out, uh, yeah. what, less than an hour ago? Self-reported himself back, back yeah. <laughs> and, and now you get a Norman Powell. That That's what that team has to had to do. And the fact that they went out and made this trade – Norman Powell has a player option, mm-hmm. so he's going to be a free agent, and he's going to get paid, and they have his bird rights, so they can sign him and be over their cap, which they already are, uh, massively when you know Lillard's extension and McCollum <laughs> and all that. So it, it's a it's a very smart move by Portland to try to get them over that hump that they needed to get. Is over. he is he a six man though? Because I don't I can't imagine he surplants. McCollum, who's now back in the fold. I mean, I mean, you're talking about Lillard's at 30 per game. McCollum's at 24 a game. I, there's just a lot going on here. You know, there's a lot of mouths to but, feed on this on this roster. And and I, the depth. more the merrier when you're making a, a postseason stretch run. The depth is outstanding. But he's but probably a six man right now, right? But but you need that depth, especially with you know COVID protocols. Yeah. You know, you never know when a guy is randomly going to have to be out for a couple games because of those protocols. Yeah. We see it all the time of late, even if it's just one or two games. So the fact that they've upgraded that, you know, you have a Carmelo Anthony, you have a Robert Covington, you have a Cantor, yeah. you have Anthony Simons. Th- this team 
is deep now because you have a Powell on your roster that has been playing at, at a high level. I look at it. You've been big on Portland and rightfully so. I mean, they're annually right there. They're annually spending a ton. They're really one of those franchises, Scott, that tries every year, financially speaking on the court, you know, they are right there. They're, they're, they're on the cusp of contention every single year. So I, I like that kind of a franchise in terms of what we do for a living. Um, but I feel like this summer could be, I wonder if McCollum moves this summer. I wonder if this is their version of, we want depth for this postseason, but then go, going forward, if Powell looks like he's a good fit, he's going to be our guy. He's going to be our ex- extension this offseason. We're, we're going to lock him in through that player option. You know, he's 27. He's kind of a budding star in this league, whereas we know exactly what we've had with Dame and CJ for a long time now. And I wonder if there's a shakeup in the works. And, and honestly, everything I just said makes sense. You know, let them all play together now and, and for the rest of this season. See what you have and let it kind of figure itself out. I can't imagine all three of those guards living, though on big contracts in 2021, 22. That's, that's all I'm saying. Cause Powell's going to get, I mean, he's a 20 point guy. This is, yeah. <laughs> he's going to get a substantial upgrade, probably not max, but close to it. So I wonder if this is the beginning of what could be a, a bigger shakeup in Portland starting next season. We'll see. Yeah, it could. You're right. Yeah. All right. What else? What else? Lakers, nothing. Clippers, yeah. something kind of small. Yeah, kind of small, you know, Rob familiar Rondo face for, for Lou Williams, who's been a six man of the year, a couple of years, you know, goes back to Atlanta, you know, Rondo just never fit in with Atlanta. So maybe Lou Williams, I, I believe I saw that that's his home state. So he goes back to it is well, Georgia. That's where he so. got in trouble too, but yeah, it's his home state. <laughs> but, you know, th- that could be good with that team, that Atlanta team there, you know, they're in the seventh seed right now. So yeah. that could be an upgrade with some of those injuries that they've had with Cam Reddish and Bogdanovich and that kind of stuff. So it's a move that, you know, at least Atlanta tried to get an upgrade and moving on from Rondo. It is what it is. And, you know, you get two second round picks out of it and some cash. Rajon Rondo has shown us now three or four times that he is just not a regular season kind of guy. He's not in this thing for the marathon and you know, it's not my style and I wouldn't want that kind of guy on my team, but I can respect it for what it is. (laughs) You know, um, he's kind of been through a lot since all the way back in Kentucky, I'm sure. So Atlanta just didn't get the best of him, you know? And the fact that Atlanta is a fringe playoff team probably pushed Rajon Rondo to come out and say, Hey, you got to find me a better home today. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly the case. If it was him looking at this saying, look, it's, it's my time to shine, right? Two months to go before we get this thing going postseason wise. And if you guys aren't in it, it's going to be a waste of my time. I, it's just, that's just how I interpret him right now. So he's going to a much safer bet and the Clippers are getting a guy that they know they can kind of slow play into this roster with, Beverly and Reggie Jackson is really the only other point guard options, which isn't scaring anybody away. And when it comes time to play ball in in seven game series, he's probably going to be the guy. So it's kind of a weird, but great situation for the Clippers. And Lou Williams has been a dumpster fire this year. I mean, for some reason he just fell off a truck. 
defensively, the, everything about him has just fallen off a truck. So again, you move off a bad situation that was expiring anyway. Rondo's through next year on a pretty solid seven and a half million, you know, maybe 8 million with incentives, but that's cost controlled for a, a team, the size of the Clippers who have some issues with George and Kawhi's contract as it is too. So it's a, it, it's a good situation for this year and next year. And like I said, it's almost his time of year anyway. So good for the Clippers recognizing that he could be a major piece, especially if it has to go up against the Lakers. That is going to mm-hmm. be must-see TV. Yes. The Clippers with Rondo against the Lakers. So good stuff there. Anything else? Yeah, the big one that came at the, at the deadline, Victor Oladipo going to Miami. Okay, let's talk about it. So, you know, for days and days, we're all assuming it's going to be Lowry to Miami because that was just the headlines. Then the Lakers kind of got involved and the the 76ers stayed involved. Lowry goes nowhere. So clearly at the last minute, the Miami, the Miami heat shifted gears to Oladipo, who we all thought was now staying in Houston kind of recklessly. Avery Bradley. I don't know. Is is he expiring? I assume. I think it was a one-year deal. Uh, I think you're right. Okay. So Houston gets an expiring point guard. They move an, exp- an expiring wingman in Oladipo. It's just just a right shift, honestly. And none of the kids move. <laughs> no Duncan Robinson, no Tyler Hero, no Kendrick Nunn, none of them. Miami retains all of their kids, all of their major starting pieces, and they move a backup point guard, essentially, kind of a third string point guard in that roster for a starting wingman. I, I don't know how you can hate this if you're Miami fans. Not at all. You got someone, you upgraded, you sort of needed to do so um, because of how jam-packed that East is at the bottom half. So they've made an upgrade to help them. They moved. Uh, Avery Bradley is a a club option next year, so essentially Mm. could be expiring if they don't, you know, exercise that. They they moved off Olenek, who – yeah, will be expiring, and that's a large cap figure of 18 that they moved. So, you know, uh, it, it it's a win for Miami and Houston. You know, it looks like they uh, the the draft compensation is a 2022 draft pick swap. Yeah, can you explain and, that? How does that because that doesn't seem like it would benefit Houston? Explain what's going on there. Uh, it, it could benefit them in the fact that. Um, if for some reason Houston is good and Miami is not, okay, but- Houston would have the Houston would have the right to swap those picks. And if not, if Houston is worse, they they get to stay where they're at. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it benefits Houston at all. So it's an expiring Navy Bradley essentially for but, an expiring. But they but keep in mind that you don't know what's going to happen in free agency. You know. don't know what's going to happen come the trade deadline next year. So a lot could happen in a year. If the Rockets are better this time next year than the Miami Heat this time next year. Something has gone horribly wrong in Miami. Oh, yeah. <laughs> horribly wrong. Um, but I get it. You know, it, honestly, that looks like to me like the exact deal you get at 3.01 p.m. Eastern, right? You, that you're on the phone call trying to make a deal happen, and this is, let's just get it done. Give me somebody. <laughs> right? So it looks... <laughs> So, so it looks like, as I'm reading here, it looks like that the pick that Houston would swap is the Nets' 2022 first rounder. So, so Houston if, has to be better than the Brooklyn Nets? Houston is getting the Brooklyn Nets pick. So they're sw- they would be swapping the Nets pick with 
Miami's pick. So if Miami is better than he, uh, better than Brooklyn okay. in 2022, then you would now them. now it's got some understanding. Now yes, there's a little so bit to it. More, All right, yep, that makes more sense. James Harden back in this in the Houston fold again. <laughs> he can he can dictate Houston's draft pick next year. Um, JJ Redick, I don't think we have full details on this, but he he leaves New Orleans for the Dallas Mavericks. We both kind of expected Dallas to be somewhat active, and I don't think they're done, Scott. The Redick move is good. It's a, it's an upgrade at the shooting guard position, something that they lost in losing Seth Curry, quite frankly, this offseason, in, in a move that they made for Josh Richardson. So this is an upgrade. They're in the, I believe, seventh seed. Is that right? Seventh seed in the West right now? They've had a really good run the last two months. Um, yeah, seven. They're, they're starting to peak. They're right there in terms of seven, six, five. So they can really push up this board, and Reddit can be a part of that. I expect them to be in an Andre Drummond buyout conversation. Yeah, there's going to be a handful. You got Drummond. I yeah. already saw that Aldridge is already negotiating a buyout, so he's going to be out yeah. there. So you're going to have a few guys that are uh, absolutely in, in that market. Yeah, I would imagine Dallas is active with, for another big man here because that's a move they didn't make today. Um Outside of that, some smaller pieces. Look, that next move is kind of sneaky okay, right? I mean, uh, Philadelphia gets a, a banged-up but veteran, experienced playoff point guard in George Hill, and they really don't give up much at all. I mean, um, the Knicks send Austin Rivers to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, who get two more second-round picks, by the way, today, in case you're keeping track. I believe I saw it's 34 picks over the next seven years. So that's what I saw, too, yeah. That's... Uh, you know, if you're into drafting and mock drafting and you're an Oklahoma City fan, you're going to have a lot of fun if you. Yeah, but they're going to be in the they're going to get to a point where they're in the boat that Boston was back yeah, when they selling had all their picks where you're you're selling. But you have to you have to start doing something with them, whether you're you're drafting well or using those picks to acquire players. You ha- you're going to have to do something. Yeah, I agree. And. I realize he's just in, just got injured and he's out for the year, but they have a real superstar in Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I hope this starts happening sooner rather than later because that's a situation. Well, they've been there before with Westbrook where you got a guy on an Island right now, a, a really, really good player kind of on an Island right now. And you see how, how little that team can do without a player like Chris Paul around. So I hope that they start to use and sell some of these pieces, these draft picks sooner rather than later, because it's a, uh, it's a shame to see uh, Gilgis Alexander really kind of uh, come into his own on a team that just can't support him. Other than that, I, I you want to rate a couple of these, like just, you know, what was your top move of the day? And we'll get out of here on that. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't think there was a bad move today. You know, no, no, maybe Boston didn't do enough. You could say that I think it was less of the shuffling chairs on the Titanic than I had uh, sort of alluded to that could happen. You know, I, I, I really think Chicago, they did really well. Yeah. So that Vucevic, I'll I'll go with that is probably the top. I really like that Norman Powell move for Portland. And then, you know, (laughs) I, I I'll say, I don't know how well it's going to work in Miami, but I'll say Oladipo's third because they 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 made an upgrade with how the East is, and if that can get them to you know a, a, a four seed with home court advantage in yeah. Florida and them having 
fans in the stands there that could project them deep into the playoffs with what we saw last year. So I'll go that route. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you my worst. (laughs) It's going to be a total curveball. So we saw the Blake Griffin buyout. Fine. Then we started to see some small moves out of Detroit, right? They, They started to get rid of a couple of those smaller pieces. And I was actually starting to think to myself, Hey, maybe they're going to do this. Maybe they're really going to rip it all down. And then they stopped. And they still have, you know, and in fact, they acquired a Corey Joseph. They acquired a player. I was positive they were going to move Jeremy Grant today and just admit, hey, the offseason we just had, it was as crazy as you all thought it was. All right. We totally botched it. We spent money we shouldn't be spending right now. We're a bad franchise in, in, in a bad spot, in a bad phase. And we just got to restart this thing from the ground up. I thought they were going to go there. There were some signs and now they're buying again. So, <laughs> so my worst of today is the fact that Detroit didn't purge because I think that's the only possible way for them to do this. Their, their major league baseball counterpart did it in the Tigers outside of Miggy Cabrera's contract. And they're on the upswing. That's a team I liked. Cousin Dan and I are going to talk about this soon. That's a that's a team that's on the uh, in the right direction. The Lions just purged their quarterback in Detroit. Okay, the Pistons need to follow suit and rip it all down. They need to re- re- they need to admit out loud they should never have signed Jeremy Grant to that contract because they are in no way, shape, or form fit to have those kind of contracts on their roster right now. So that's my worst of the day. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. They do have they have a lot of rookies on there. Yeah. They're projected bottom three right now, so you know they may be a top three lottery pick or get the top lottery pick with. And it's not even about it's not even about like cap and stuff. It's why even pay the why you're paying Jeremy Grant twenty million dollars this year cash. Why would you do that? You know he can get, go get that money somewhere else. Somebody would take him off your hands. He's a nice athletic mm-hmm. player. Probably because you have to at least try to make to the floor so that you don't have to divvy up to your other players nah. on the roster. I know it's a bad answer. It's but. a bad answer. <laughs> but what, what is interesting outside of that being a bad pick is, and the buyouts are the players that did not move that are now going to be free agents. And yep. like you said, Kyle Lowry, you got Lonzo ball, yep. you got a marketing in, in Chicago and a slew of other guys that, yep. you know, could be on the move. You know, you got a, a Mike Conley, a DeRozan, um, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be an interesting off season, especially now that we are getting some fans in the stands. And if there are fans in the stands for the playoffs, that is revenue that could potentially help that cap, which we know that the NBA has already set that it's going to increase by a certain percentage Slow play. and it could yeah. go up. It could go up from the 3% raise that they're going. It could go up to a maximum of 10%. So there is the potential that there is going to be more room than anticipated because of these fans being able to get back in the stands. And if the playoffs do go deep into the summer, that just gives more time for fans to get into those into those seats and into those arenas to get that revenue up even higher. So going into the offseason, now knowing who is going to be in an off season uh, p- potential acquisition via free agent or, yeah. or trade at, at that juncture that aren't free agents, you know, it's going to be very interesting going into that off season. Kawhi Leonard's player option. Drew holiday's got a player option. You mentioned Lowry and Rosen. 
Dennis Schroeder, the Lakers point guard who was in some talks today. Fournier, who just moved, is on an expiring. J.J. Redick, who just moved, is on an expiring. Will Barton's a nice player. Kelly Oubre is a nice player. They're UFAs in a couple of months. It's a solid list. It's a really solid list. Myers, uh, yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie has a player option who yep. didn't get moved. Some people thought he was going to get moved yep. because they the would want rights, yep. his rights uh, if he opts in. So, you know, you got guys like that. Yeah. It's a solid yeah. list. You can put it together is. a pretty solid team if you're a team like the Knicks with space who didn't use that today. I mean, they didn't use their cap space. So that's going to get rolled essentially into the next season with some good, you know, they, they're going to have some ammo to work with now and a team that's somewhat relevant. So relevancy in Madison Square Garden plus cap space equals good things for the Knicks, I would imagine. All right, Scott, good stuff. Anything else? Nope, just you the still, buyout markets. Yeah. So just keep an eye on, like I said, Aldridge. Do you is know already, the deadline in that, Scott? When's the, when's the buyout deadline? April 9th is the last day to be waived and become eligible for the playoffs. So any of those players, so you got, what, two weeks. Yeah, probably about half a dozen or so players, don't you think, on this list? Big yeah. Men. Mostly big men, I would think. Mostly big men, yeah. Yeah. And if you count Blake Griffin already in there. So. Yeah. All right. All right, that'll be next. And uh, obviously, the push to the postseason is here, and Major League Baseball's back in a week, and there's plenty going on. So <laughs> this was good. 18 trades, you said? 17. 17 trades. That's yeah. a nice little deadline. I wish these other sports could follow suit. Good stuff, Scott. Have a good one. Welcome back, Cousin Dan. Final segment of this MLB offseason primer. We're in the West, Dan. It's pretty interesting. There's a couple of duds. Let's start there, I guess. Uh, the Colorado Rockies. The Nolan Aeronautilus Colorado Rockies. Just give me your sense on this team. Yeah, they're probably in contention for worst team in the league. So I, I don't really know how much um, interesting stuff there will be to, um, to talk about with that. Yeah. Are they, you know, yeah, there's just so many teams they're looking up at right now in their own division. Why aren't they trying to sell more parts? Um, good question. I think they're kind of in flux a little bit and not really sure which direction to go. Um, they might have to move. I guess I don't know what they're going to do with Trevor story or, you know, mm -hmm. somebody like that, but maybe, maybe they try and um, sell on him and get a better package than they, obviously they did, um, you know, being up against the wall with Nolan Arenado. So um, yeah, I'm not really sure what is going on there or they're all their moves seem to fail. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I don't think the front office really knows what they're doing, but of course I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not at that level to, to be judging that, but it, it, it nothing really makes sense. And they kind of seem to just be pandering every year. Just seems like the strikeouts aren't there pitching wise. Other than that, it's a halfway solid lineup. I mean, there's, you know, six out of nine, you'd probably be okay with on most teams. Let's, let's stick on story real quick. Cause that's, I guess that's the most interesting part of this team to talk about because he's just another one of these shortstops, you know, where is he in this huge list of potential you know, $200 million shortstops coming up here in the next couple of months. Is he kind of a poor man's version of this? If you want to refer it, you know, personally, I think Trevor story, if on a, on a different team is an MVP discussion. Um, I mean, 
he's a five category player. He's just going to get buried in that lineup though, in my opinion. And they're not going to be good enough to, you know, for him to really warrant MVP votes unless they, unless they linger in the, in, in contention. So um, I, I think we've sort of seen in recent years that really to get max value out of guys, you've got to move them, you know, sooner than yeah. later. So if they really don't want to get pinned up against the wall, like they did, um, you know, with Arenado, they, they need to start, um, looking there, you know, not that it's a player you want to move, but you, you might need to move it to start a rebuild. So I guess though, the question is, how do you move this player? It seems like half the league has their own version of him ready to get paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I, I keep saying musical chairs and that's really how I feel these, you know, e- even with the Lindor contract that's coming up here, yeah. like, is he going to, is he going to guaranteed get 300 million and, is he why that should much? he is a better question if they're right and it's, that, it's a wide receiver conversation in free agency right now if there's 12 you don't need to pay one anything you know yeah i absolutely agree with that and i and that's where i wonder where he like where his number is actually going to come out because is he that I, I mean i get the franchise player you can market him he's you know he, he's the face of the mlb in a lot of ways and not you know that's valuable to have on your team but in terms of on-field production like he he is not the player we necessarily thought he would be coming, you know, coming out of his full rookie year where he really broke out, looked like he might be, you know, close to a 290 ish hitter. Um, obviously the power has developed there more than expected, but I think some other, you know, aspects of his game have fallen off a little bit. He was stellar defensively at the beginning of his career still is very good defensively. So I, I guess I'm just pointing out things that you, you can find guys like that elsewhere. And, you know, maybe Trevor story, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good way to put it. If instead of signing, you know, a, a Francisco Lindor to a $300 million contract, it maybe Trevor story doesn't cost you, you know, as right. much to acquire or lock up long-term. So uh, I know we, just kind of took that into a Francisco Lindor no, uh, no, no. tangent, but I think it's relevant. It's super relevant with a lot of the, look, we're going to talk Dodgers. We're going to talk Corey Seager. There's every division has at least one or two of these shortstop. And I, th- I think you've made this point before. It's worth saying again, the problem with the shortstop is now these guys are ready to get paid, but every international player and, and two thirds of the top draft picks our shortstops. <laughs> That's just and anyone who played little league baseball, the best kid played shortstop. That's just how it works. That's how it operates at this sport at a young age. So you can probably find one in your, and any of your minor league system that, that can at least go out there defensively and hold it up. Uh, we've seen a bunch of them get moved this off season specifically. It's just becoming one of those positions. That's kind of the elephant in the room. I, I think we've talked about it with the running back position in football. Is it going to get to that point? where it's just going to be next man up. Why, why are we paying 200 mil for any of these guys when there's shortstops riddled all over the world? Right. And not to mention, I mean, a lot of the value in a, in a, in a, you know, a prime offensive shortstop is if he can hold up defensively and offer you some value there. And as these guys age, um, you know, some of them might have to get kicked over to third base. You know, some of the smaller guys might get moved to second base, um, you know, maybe a corner out a center center field sort of thing, um, depending on their versatility. But yeah, I, to- I totally agree. They shortstop. I guess what I'm trying to say is shortstops don't necessarily age well um, to the point where you're going to be wanting to break off a huge contract at this stage in, the, yeah. in their career when in theory they should be starting to, you know, fall off. A so maybe so. it's, it's not that they don't get paid. You know, maybe we can kind of keep this runner back conversation going. Maybe it's just that they're not getting the seven year deals. They're getting yeah, fours. Yeah. 
They're getting fourth. Fair enough. That, that's maybe a good assessment. If you know, because they they still provide a ton of value and you know deserve to get paid. But I, I don't see these. You know, I mean, the Troy Tulowitzki contract is a decade old, but yeah. you know, I don't see that happening anymore. Where you're you're locking in somebody like that and then immediately, you know, they need to be moved or you're trying to get them into a DH spot. Like you, you don't want to run into that situation. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but we're, we're about to Lindor is going to get it. I bet you Trey Turner gets it. I would imagine Corey Seager gets it. Javi Baez is on that fringe. I'm missing five players right now. I think oh, easily. I know there's so many, yeah. there's so much talent and even, you know, a lot of big time prospects coming up are, yep. you know, you have your Willie, K, you know, uh, sorry, Willie Adamas. Um, yeah. getting replaced by um Franco, yeah. Yeah, Franco, yeah. So, the, the, yeah. The the here's the thing though. I think we're to roll it back to the Rockies. There's a chance that Trevor Story and uh you know, maybe there's a couple other players I'm missing right now, but these guys are at the back of this list. And they they are movable because of that, because of what we're talking about. The value is going to be a little bit lower. Isn't this, you know, maybe Dan's B Swanson's in this conversation too. You know, the Giants are trying to get better. The Mariners are trying to get better. There's some teams right there, Arizona, who knows. But I, I, I think this is a movable contract the more we've talked this out, Dan. He's an expiring contract, Trevor Story. There's no reason for him to be playing this team right now. There's just no reason. He's got no future here. Get your value out of him now if you're Colorado and let him go and extend somewhere else. This is the time of year to do that. So, yeah, I I'd imagine that's what's next for the Rockies has really nothing to do with the regular season. It's about how the hell do we get this player out of town? Cause it's important to their value to get him out of town. If I, I just as a, you know, a side note to that, if I were a Rockies fan though, I would, I would really want to see a front office change before they, they oh, would, yes. they were to move him. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I wouldn't want those guys in charge of, um, yeah, you know, there's nobody there that feels good about what just this. happened this year. Right. I mean, that Arenado situation was a complete botch. I mean, totally. Uh, really, the, the the list of moves over the last three to five years have yeah. been atrocious. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't really pick out one thing that worked out. So Yeah. 65 wins last time I looked. Yeah, it's just too good of a division. I, I'm i going to take the under there. I think they could be the worst team in baseball. And, you know, we've already talked about some of the other teams that will be in contention. And I think um, those teams are probably better than the Rockies at face value. And and like you said, maybe there's potential to, to have some um, subtraction from this team, you know, towards the trade yeah. line too. So. It looks like it's down to 63 and a half, by the way, on the live line. So maybe they're starting to think like we are, that there's some subtraction really coming here. I think we're both under on this one. Um, let's switch over to the Arizona Diamondbacks, the aforementioned Diamondbacks. Again, I think we talked about them last offseason. Like, wh- just, who are they? I'm not, I still don't think they know. You know, they signed Bumgarner to a really weird free agent contract and then started to gut pieces. <laughs> so you sign a big free agent pitcher and then you start to tank. Uh, have they recovered? Are they an acceptable team? The over under right now in Arizona is tantalizing 74 and a half that's you know slightly under 500 but i guess somewhat in the mix is that how you see him i i don't think i'd want any action on that number but i do think there's some meat on the bone if if you wanted to go if, you know if you were a believer in them I, similar you know a similar time frame last year 
the moves were puzzling, but we weren't totally sure they were a bad team. You yeah. know what I mean? And they, they had some injury issues last year. Um, I guess I just want to say that this roster is relatively talented in a lot of ways um, to the point where I think they can, I, I think they're pretty clearly the third best team in this division. Okay. I mean, they're, they're easily ahead of the Rockies. I would take them over the giants. Um, but I could see why somebody would argue against that. So um, I kind of like a rebound out of the, the Diamondbacks. Do I want to place money on it? Probably not. But I do. Um, I would lean on the over on there if I if I were picking. Let's backtrack real quick. Who's your jersey for the Colorado Rockies? Good luck. Oh, Good um, luck. I mean, maybe like uh, Garrett Hampson. You'd like have get, to. Um, yeah, all Ryan these other prospects have already flamed out. It's it's yeah. sad. It's really sad. It's, I mean, maybe. Um, yeah, no. Let's leave it there. I don't. I, we don't need to go any further. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so you're taking a little bit slight over on Arizona. I mean, Arizona and San Francisco are basically neck and neck here in terms of Vegas, and I think basically how you just laid it out as well. So you're probably going under San Francisco over Arizona. Is that what you're thinking here? Um, correct. Yeah, I, I would lean that way. And again, I have sort of been um, vocal about I, I like the Giants offense quite a bit. I think it's I think it's relatively underrated. And the Giants always do good things with their pitching staffs. And, you know, they've brought in a bunch of veterans. as They always do. It's a great pitchers park. So um, I, I don't think they're like, you know, a doormat by any means. But um, I think a, I think there's a little helium on on them and people like their you know, from like a fantasy perspective, people like their pitchers a lot in late rounds as like, you know, Reba, Alex Wood and, you know, those kind of guys that that might, um, you know, Desclafani. But I, I don't love them by any means. So I, I just think between the two, I think I would pick Arizona as the better team. So if we're going to San Fran here, here's why I like this team. And it's a bad reason. That that's starting nine, Dan. That's starting eight. That 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 those hitters. That's going to be old school baseball. There's not going to be home runs in that lineup. I, I mean, hardly anyone's going to hit twenty home runs. In that lineup. Maybe Ostremski again if he can continue on his on his stretch. But you're going to see doubles and stolen and maybe some stolen bases. It's going to be some old school baseball. So that's fun to watch. I'm not sure that's a winning recipe, a winning formula right now, and especially in this division. And the bullpen is terrifying. I, I mean, literally, Jake McGee speaking of Colorado, was run out of Colorado, bought out of Colorado two years ago, and he is their preemptive closure in San Francisco. Uh, that's bad news. That's bad news for me. I don't, I don't hate the starting lineup, the rotation, but what's going to happen at the seventh inning here? This is, uh, that, that's not enough, not, not enough work done right there for a lineup that could hold up. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line with you here. This is an under for me. Too much hype for a, a roster that doesn't look complete enough for me. Who is your jersey selection from the Arizona Diamondbacks? Do you have a kid? Diamondbacks? Um, no, I mean, some of their prospects are a little bit too fringy to really make an impact this year, um, so I wouldn't necessarily go there. Um, pro- I, I'm just going to say Cattell Marte. Yeah. He's, he, he's one of my... I like, I mean, maybe it's a second base fantasy sort of um, eligibility, but I really like him as a bounce back candidate this year. Um, I think he's an exciting young player. I think if he has a really good year, um, he could be somebody that they want to kind of pay some money to stay there. But, um, you know, he's not, you know, he's a known name, but I, I think he's uh, he's an exciting player to, to watch out for this year. Yeah, that's probably right. I, I think I'd still go Zach Gallen. 
just because there's oh, huge breakout potential there. I mean, yeah, really nice. He, I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, he's going to probably be the name to watch on that team if they're going to be over. I mean, if he's your number two, you know, is he competing for Baumgartner for that ace role at least in 2022? I think there's a good chance of that. San Fran, Yastrzemski is a, a tough jersey not to get, right? I mean, that's yeah. The fact I, that I like that, that kid is good and relevant and has that name is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I don't need to. Uh, I don't need to one up you there. I, that that would have been my name, I think, too. So yeah, good stuff. All right, let's get into the big boys, and that's really what they are. This division has become great because of the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Padres are a ninety-four point five. Actually, let me look live real quick before I give that number out. Yes, yeah, still ninety-four point five over under. Thoughts on that specifically? So. I will tweak this one a little bit. I would, I would not want action on the over under. Um, but what I would want, we can kind of combine these two. What I would want is to bet them for the division. I okay. Think, because I, I'm pretty sure to win the division outright is they're like plus 200. Um, they have positive odds and the Dodgers have negative odds and a massive win total. So um, just from like a game theory sort of perspective there, it, like it, the Dodgers number and is going to be super difficult to come by. You know, my logic would say go over on the San Diego number, but I, I think it's reasonable. Both of those teams could have 95 wins. So um, I do too. Just from the division perspective, I think anytime you can get maybe the second best team in all of baseball at positive odds to, um, you know, to win their division, I think that is worth a bet, um, you know, between the two of those. It, 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 Right this minute, it just seems like the Dodgers are a total lock to win that division. And while the roster is loaded and I, I can't poke literally any holes in them, um, injuries happen. Th you know, wonky stuff happens like that. So um, I, I would just, you know, the, the Padres might be the second best team in the entire league. And, they, you know, if you're going to get positive odds on them to win their division, I think that's, um, you know, at least a worthwhile bet. So still, still I wouldn't plus want any action by the way. on the number. Yeah, still plus 200 okay. live right now. Um, I'll give you three reasons why they could win the division injuries to, to, to the Dodgers injuries, COVID and coasting. Is this Dodgers team just going to get complacent and mail it in for three weeks as a, as a, you know, we got to rear ourselves up for September and October. Is there, you know, winning this division, isn't that important to us right now? Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to kill ourselves trying to, trying to beat these Padres up all year long. Let's just kind of coast through this a little bit and get ourselves to September. We've seen really good franchises do this year two of their kind of a, their, their, their contending role. So there's a probably an area where the Padres try a little too hard in the regular season, which would put them over, which would put them in division contention. It's just something we see in these marathon regular seasons. You know, it's probably not good baseball, good business decisions. But if you want plus 200 on the Padres to win, I've got nothing wrong with that. Right. I would just feel way more comfortable betting on that than the, than the over under number though. So that, sure. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. <clears throat> Boy, who is your Padres Jersey? Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, are you going to be one of the millions with Tatis on your back or are you going to go a little off the board? Yeah. Just to be a little different. Cause everyone knows the guys at the, the at the top of the chart. Um, let's go Jay Crowenworth. Um, oh my God. Could be former top prospect ish kind of guy. Um, uh, kind of a universal. Um, okay. Can play anywhere. He, he's sort of in a position battle right now, but I, I think long term, he's a really, uh, really nice player. Projected to be the starting second baseman. So he's going to be right there with Tatis. That's fun. Yes. 
So um, the guy they brought, I'm, I, the name I would butcher, the, the guy they brought in from Japan, I believe. Yeah, um, King. Yeah, he, him, Profar, Profar. and Cronworth um, are sort of fighting for utility time, but um, it sounds like Kim might get, you might start the season at the alternate site, AAA. So um, I don't know. I just like Crone. I think the power is legit. I think, you know, he's got speed. He's sort of a breakout candidate this year if he gets playing time. And I think there is a path for him to get some playing time. So, so. one last question on the Padres. We, we kind of know all the bats. And although <laughs> I don't know how many Cronenworth fans we have out there. twenty twenty This time next year, which of these starting pitchers are we kind of talking about as the guy on this team? Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, Paddock. Clevenger, Lamette, who, who is it? Who's going to take the reins here as, as the ace of this franchise? Um, really, I'll, I'll reverse that question and say I, I would probably pe- feel pretty confident it's not Lamette. Um, mm-hmm. Really, the, any of the other guys are are viable really i mean joe joe musgrove is sort of a post hype guy that everybody is expecting has been expecting a breakout from some people in the industry think that him going to san diego might really you know that they might really pull that out of him um and i don't disagree there so he could totally be a top 10 type pitcher next year darvish could very well be the top pitcher in the entire league at the end of 2021 um you know paddock Paddock is a very nice, solid player. Yeah. I don't think he makes a jump into like a top two rotation kind of guy. Um, Snell, I think the jury's still out based on usage, some injury, uh, lingering issue, injury questions. Um, but, I, you know, he's another guy. He could be he could be an ace of that rotation going forward, too, if he really, you know, if they really pull pull um, the limits off of him and, and unleash him. But, yeah, so really any of those guys, I, I think Lamette, there's some – concerns that he you know he doesn't really have a third pitch that's developed um there's some injury stuff there i think i think he might get be better suited for um a bullpen role yeah. long term yeah that, nothing, that's there's just nothing my, wrong I, with that with this list of names we have but i guess you you just mentioned something and it and it, and it sparked something you know can this padres organization make the best out of these pitchers do we have any evidence of that <laughs> over the past decade or so that pitchers are, you know, being groomed properly. I mean, it's not like these guys are flipping pitchers to other teams left and right. In fact, it's quite the opposite that we just haven't seen a good track record with young pitchers come up and develop nicely in this organization. So is this just the exact opposite of that, Dan? We got to get guys who already know what the hell they're doing so that we can't screw it up. Do you think that's exactly what this offseason was? I do. I, I guess specifically with Musgrove, it's a little bit of a testament to, to me not believing in Pittsburgh's development um, system that that maybe, you know, new eye, fresh eyes on Joe Musgrove. Maybe we tinker with, um, you know, the, you know, the, a pitch here or your pitch mix, um, you know maybe he goes to like a, an off speed pitch a little bit more than he was. I, I, I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but I, I, I think you've seen a track record with some teams that just have like explicitly poor development, um, yeah. you know, success. And, and I, I don't want to sit here and say that the Padres are, you know, an example of success, but um, I, I just think maybe he goes to a new organization. There's some eyes on him that maybe get a little bit more. And quite so frankly, maybe he, quite frankly, Blake Snell at 28 years old has seen some stuff. I mean, he has been in, in an organization that has developed a hell out of pitchers. And there's no question that he, ha- he knows some things to bring to this team. 
and can can act as maybe a bit of a mentor to some of these younger pitchers because what Tampa Bay has done has been you know nothing short of amazing with pitching, amazing for sure. So for sure. there's, and, there's and, that. And to that point, Mike, I mean, total tangent here, but if you if we want proof of that, watch Chris Archer this year yeah. because Chris Archer, obviously, he had yeah, control right. issues in Tampa, but he went to Pittsburgh, was a total dumpster fire there, and now he's back in Tampa. So if he you know, revert, reverts back to a, you know, a middle of the rotation type starter. It, I think there's some evidence there that, that Pittsburgh, you know, might not be the place to try and squeeze, you know, the, the juice out of the lemon. If you will. It's the exact conversation I just had with the new England Patriots, how you're now going back to your old system. You're bringing back literally familiar faces, Kyle Van Noy, you know, other, other pieces that already know exactly what to do here and just watch out. Watch those guys go from average to above average in four months. It's just gonna happen. You're right. That's that's exactly what could happen with Chris Archer because it because of the track record in Tampa Bay. We'll just see if it can kind of carry over to, to San Diego here. It'd be fun. It'd be really fun if San Diego and the Dodgers were battling all year long. Um, the Dodgers are one oh three point five, Dan. That's a big enchilada. What do you got? Yeah. Um, I mean, just the reasonable mind in me wants to, I'm going to say under on this, yeah. just because that, that number is so high and so many things can go wrong. I mean, as a rule of thumb for all of these, um, the under, you know, unless it's like a bottom dweller, but uh, the under is typically the safer bet in these because so many things can go wrong. And the, you know, Vegas has to cover themselves on these numbers that, you know, that not everyone's just going to hammer the over because right. the line is so low. So you know, in theory, the majority, the, the safer pick here on all of these picks is under. And, um, you know, specifically with the Dodgers, that that number is like one of, one of if not the highest um, over under to begin a season, I think, ever. So yeah. pretty, pretty crazy. Can they clear it? Without a doubt. The team is loaded. They have depth. Um, you know, pitching, bullpen, starting lineup, like you could, they could legitimately have five major impact injuries. And I think they could, um, you know, replace that within reason. So um, yeah, they could definitely get there for betting purposes. I would take the under here, but I, I could totally see it happening. They're a, they're a war differential for this off season. They, they lost about six notable players for a combined 0.8 <laughs> war and added five notable players at a 6.7 projected war. Insane. Yeah. yeah they're they're going to be okay. <laughs> and talk about a juggernaut in all facets. I mean, drafting, international free agency, development, everything. That team, you know, that team is a juggernaut. I can't really say anything else about it. So. Yeah, but it's t- for all the reasons we've already set, mentioned, I'd, I'd have a problem going over. Here's, why, here's where I'd go over because we're kind of wrapping this up. One more division to go here. For me, I look at a number, and, and if I don't throw up immediately, I consider it, right? And, and and the reason I would take an over isn't about what currently exists on that roster. It's it's the team building side of me that would start to dive into it and say, all right, is there something to be added here? It's a long – there's so many months here leading up to that trade deadline. Can they bring in a piece here that can literally put them two, three more wins over the top here? And if the answer is yes, I'm almost always going to bet the over. Because it's that easy. It's that easy to add a first baseman, a starting pitcher, a you know an, an eighth inning guy, and completely change a month of your season. That's just kind of how it works with the with the marathon of the regular season. So, if there's a piece to be traded away and brought in, and they're they're not considered 100% sellers like we consider Colorado to be, I'd almost always go over 
as just a good kind of uh, you know betting odds, unless you're 95 or 100 in terms of your starting point. So I, to me, it's hard for me to go under on a lot of these, Dan, just because there's so much room to be added or room to grow. We'll see what happens in 2021 with a lot of owners cash strapped, though. Whole different aspect to it. Right. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it, it's I think it's telling to your point, it's telling that the Dodgers have seemingly still been in on all these big names. Like, uh-huh. you know, when Lindor got moved, the Chris Bryant rumors, like their team is stacked and they really have very few, you know, places that they could really upgrade. And um, they're still looking to upgrade. So I think to your point, um, you know, they, they could get better, you know, six weeks from now, they could make a major trade and we're like, whoa, that team is the best ever. So yeah, agreed. Who's the Jersey. This is tough. This is kind of tough. Oh, Mookie's easy. Mookie's an easy jersey to buy. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's all those types of guys. Um, yeah, but because Seager's kind of up. Turner's a two-year. Bauer's on a one-year opt-out every year. Kershaw, who knows how many years are left. Um, Bellinger's probably a, the second pick here, right? Mookie, then Bellinger. Is that right? Or, or is there a chance Bellinger doesn't stay here? He's coming up. Uh, I think they would find a way to lock him Me in too. unless there were like long-term injury concerns or, you know, cro- of the chronic variety or something like that. So um, yeah, all, I, all those guys are, um, you know, theoretical studs. I just, I'll go off the board a little bit and um, I'll give you two. Actually, I think Walker Bueller is yeah. a pitcher that um, if the, you know, if the rains come off could totally be a top three pitcher going into next year. Um, they, they might also baby him and he only throws 150 innings this year. So I'll like, you know, half go in on that one. Um, long-term Edwin Rios is a name. I, I know I'm going way off the board here, but Edwin Rios is a player I really like. I think he is the guy that breaks out this year. If um, the NL gets a DH, if that somehow comes together in the final weeks here, um, I say watch out for Edwin Rios. But um, Like, like pushes yeah. Max Muncy out of some starts, that kind of thing? Um. Well, I think there's a handful of guys there that um, can, you know, will split more playing time than um, getting, you know, 90% playing time, right? Max Muncy is a guy who can move around. He can play first, second. He can DH for you. Um, I could be wrong. I think he's played a little bit of outfield, though. Um, Rios, same thing. He's versatile. They they have a lot of that. So I guess what I'm saying is if – you know, the DH is in that lineup. Um, it creates more avenues for Rios to get playing time. But if there's no DH, I think he's one of the first guys that um, that doesn't get playing time. So, um, but if if he gets, you know, let's say 450, 500 plate appearances, I think he's a guy that people are well aware of going into next year. So. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I lo- What I love about them most is that they do not have the foot off the pedal. They're constantly no. trying to upgrade, move, maybe maybe just change some pieces to make sure they're shaking it up a little bit. There's probably going to be a move to be made. I, I can't imagine Dustin May stays in this team. C- can you imagine that anymore? No, I think I, I think they almost have to move one of May and Gonsolin, and yeah. I think internally they would prefer Gonsolin. I like Dustin May is like the meme king, like the gift king. He, you know, all of his pitcher pitches, you know, his two seamer specifically is so sexy, but. Um, you know, the results itself aren't there. So, you know, I could see them wanting to move on from Dustin May over, yeah, over Gosselin, but I think, I think they need to make a move there. Um, you know, and if they're, I don't, they don't need to make a move. They're almost they getting backlogged. 
in terms of their prospects right now is my point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, every, everything, even down to catcher. I mean, yeah. you know, you have Will Smith who's going to split time with Austin Barnes, who is going to play because of, you know, he specifically catches Clayton Kershaw. Um, and, and then you have Kyber Ruiz who would maybe be the best catcher on pros, catching prospect on any other team in the league. Yeah. So, um, you know, down to even that position, they're just so deep everywhere. It's, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's the rich getting richer for sure. By the way, I'm on Fangraphs, projected starting lineup. Cody Bellinger is projected to bat sixth and hit 40 home runs. Scary. <laughs> so Scary it's, stuff. It's good times <laughs> in L.A., really good times. Well, we'll see. we got the other team to talk about here in a second. Let's switch it over. The AL West, to complete our off-season over-under uh, jersey slash discussion episode series, <laughs> Texas is at the bottom of the AL West right now. Do you believe that? Is that right? I mean, they oh, are they are 100%. six games behind the Seattle Mariners, Dan. Is that right? Oh yeah, I yes, I do not like the Rangers at all. I don't, I don't like anything about this team. I, I don't think so. <laughs> please yeah, continue, when, please. When, when, well, I, I mean, I don't even necessarily need to get into nuts and bolts because there really aren't a lot of nuts and bolts to get to. I guess like there, when I said you know the Rockies are are gonna compete for the worst team in the league, I think the Rangers, you know. The Rangers could too. They they have, you know, unless I'm missing things, they haven't really added anything. They have very few like prospects and I, I just don't like the construction of their team. I think they're old or one dimensional and they don't have much pitching and the bull, the bullpen. What, what I, I don't know what else to, um, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to like here, but it, it, the way you phrase that, maybe you like them a little bit more. So no, not necessarily. Them? I mean, it's, it's Baltimore, it's Pittsburgh, it's, who else is down here? Detroit, and then it's Texas. That's your bottom four in terms of these over-under projections. Is that right for you? Yeah, I, I like that a fair bit, yeah. So they're, they're linked to Detroit, literally 67 and a half, both of them. Um, I like Detroit a heck of a lot more than I like Texas because I think Detroit can pitch. I'm not sure the Texas Rangers can pitch the ball this year, and they, they know it. I mean, they pretty much mailed it in and, and sent some guys away and made some trades you know, here's your, your here's your top three. Kyle Gibson, Kohil Arihara, Jordan Lyles with a closer of Matt Bush. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. pretty sure I got four of those names wrong, by the way. Um, yeah. And and the lineup's not much better. There were rumors about them getting Gallo out of town and Ordor out of town. They didn't. They probably will if they can find a suitor. Uh, David Dahl, speaking of Rockies castaways, is going to bat second and start in left field for this team. Uh, he couldn't even crack the lineup in Colorado. Almost never. He, he was a complete bust out of that team. This is bad. <laughs> this, is, this is really bad stuff. And when they take Gallo out of this lineup, Dan, you have zero power. I mean, zero power. And I know they acquired right. Chris Davis, but what's Chris Davis going to do here? Yeah. I, I mean... Not, not much. That's yeah. for sure. And, and, and the Gallo point, I mean, but besides the power, which is very legitimate, obviously, he doesn't offer you all that much. He's going to bat two on out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. And even if you know, even if you get the ceiling average performance, you know, it's he's not going to hit more than two fifty. So I, I don't know. I just don't. I guess I'm dogging him more than I need to, but just as a whole, I don't like the the mix of you know the the players they put together. So. No, it's a bad group right now. It, you know, maybe they can surprise some people. Does this does this franchise Dan have prospects? 
Where, where do they stand right now? Are they just in a known rebuild right now that they're just waiting for guys to get ready, or is it not good? I mean, they're they're sort of in a purgatory phase, if you will. They have some guys coming up, but, I mean, not, nothing like, you know, nothing where you're like, oh, just wait until 2024 and we're going to be there. You know, like they, <laughs> they need to put some other pieces in place, in my opinion. So, yeah, I just don't like the, the framework of what's here. I guess to walk it back a little bit, though, you know, specifically towards the over-under, maybe they clear the over and it's because – you know, this division is just not that great. And they beat up a little bit each on each other, but um, like it's possible. I, I wouldn't want any action on this. You seem to be favoring Seattle though. Who's next. So if that's the case, you can't go over on Texas. No, no. So yeah, I would take the under on uh, Texas. I would definitely take the over on Seattle. Um, Seattle. I I remember specifically mentioning them in the Bauer sweepstakes. I thought that was a team that is um, kind of like right there. Um, they're going to have some prospects take a major step forward here in the next year or two. And um, I like them. I think that's a team that is just loaded with talent that could take a step forward this year um, where people really aren't talking about them. So I would, uh, I really like them quite a bit. Yeah. Willie Calhoun, by the way, is that your Texas Jersey? Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go there. I, I like him. Uh, I like him a bit. Um, and there's really not a lot else to choose from. So. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's talk about these Mariners, Dan. The over-under is 73. Um, that's probably – that's almost like pushable, isn't it? I can't see them yeah. getting that much closer to 500 in this division. No, I, I'd agree with you there. The number does seem kind of high. I, I guess I'm just um, angling that I like the organization a bit, and I would take the over if I was you know, forced to choose there. Um, but that's probably a little bit of a biased opinion. Um, so, but yeah. Yeah, they it's a it's a tough number. It is a tough number for them to get to, especially with their pitching. The pitching is not great. Um, like I said, they do have some guys, you know, trying to maybe take a step forward this year and surprise some people. But um, yeah, I, I think there's four pitchers on this team. I, I actually and I've heard great things about Justin Dunn, who's kind of competing for that fifth spot right now, um, especially some of the offseason work he's done to kind of develop a couple more pitch. I, there, there's a world. There's definitely a world where this is an 80 win team. If they can hit the ball, you know, they're going to keep, you know, Jared Kellenick down. There's no question about that. He's not going to play here till May. So there, you know, there's, there's just not that much power. You know, there's a little bit of power if Kyle Seeger can re- return to form. That Kyle Lewis kid, he's signed. He, he's there. That JP Crawford kid, he's going to lead off. He's going to steal some bags. You know, there's going to be some old school play here as well. This looks a little similar to what we saw in Arizona, doesn't it, Dan? Yeah, I, I think that's a nice comparison. Um, they sort of rebuilt a little bit on the fly. Well, at least they added pieces to the group um, they already had after that um, after this, the San Diego trade. So um, Ty France, like the, th- those kind of guys is who I'm referencing. So they, I, I like Seattle um, quite a bit, yeah. They're, ju- they're kind of like a – a JV version of the Chicago White Sox, maybe a year ago, where there's a lot of top prospects who could take that step, but I'm not sure there's a Lucas Giolito on this roster. You know, I'm not sure that there's that one pitcher that can really kind of carry them every four starts. That that'll probably be their downfall. You're, I think you're dead on right there. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe they're shopping for somebody though who's available. That's too, fair. So. That's very fair because that's a this is one of, that that's a reason to take the over, because if they can get better this year by doing that and that's all they really need to maybe take that next step, then 
Let's take him over 73. What's the jersey? There's a lot of kids here. I mean, I mean, you got to pick Jerry Kelly. Yeah. He's going to be the uh, the big trading card guy, right? Or the NFT guy if we get there. <laughs> yeah, I I think so. There's tons of hype around him. He's definitely going to be up, um, you know, probably at the first crack that they can. And, you know, unless they delay, you know, do the strategic delay two more days to make it look like they weren't doing that intentionally. But, um, yeah, he'll be up first thing. Um, they have uh, some some big-time pitching guys coming up um, probably next year. Uh, will arrive next year. Um, Who's yeah, his comp, I, I, Dan? Who's Jared Kellenick's comp? It's a terrible I question. Yeah, no, I, it, it's just it's a tough question. But I mean, I think he is he has potential to be the best pure hitter in baseball. Whoa! The, I mean, I'm not talking necessarily 50 home runs and 120 RBIs. I think the swing is phenomenal. If you've seen any, you know, any footage of the dude hitting balls, it just makes your mouth drool. So, so is that a little um, Juan Soto esque? I mean, I guess I'm not fluent enough on his plate discipline, things like that. Outstanding. But, um, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, I don't want to pour salt in your Mets wound here. No, but it's he, fine. I'm over it. He has potential to be, you know, one of the, you know, generational outfielders in my opinion. So I'm not saying he's going to get there today, but uh, yeah, a comp is kind of tough for him in my opinion, but so you um, I'm sure have... a lot smarter people could you wouldn't have box. traded him for a uh, overachieving closer <laughs> and a steroid using 40 year old second baseman with 200 million left in his contract. No. All right. I mean, <laughs> probably not, but it's fine. Those guys don't aren't, they don't, don't have know, jobs anymore, so it's fine. It's all over. Um, collusion agent. Never mind. Uh, next on this list, let's go. Seattle brings us to, Oh my God. Doesn't get any better. Let's talk about these Anaheim angels, Dan. Are they better? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spit in the face of probably everything we've said. And I'm going to say, yes, this, okay. they, they've got to be better at this point, right? They have pieces there. They have the best player in baseball there. Um, you know, the pitching isn't way better, but it is much better than it has been. So, um, I think there's some bullpen pieces. They brought in a legitimate closer now. So some of the questions that we've had in prior years are sort of answered. So I am going to say, yes. I like them quite a bit. I don't love them, but I think um, I think there's some room to grow for this team for sure. 83 and a half is the number. It seems high originally for me. Um, here's why I think it's probably right, but it, it is a big what if. It, if Shohei Otani can, can, can continue this for a whole year, if we can get a whole year of who he really is, they're a above 500 team. There's just no question about it. He's a special player. He's, he can do things on a daily basis that most teams don't have to offer. Here's the problem I have with the pitching. Look, they've tried. Every year they bring in two to three new names, and they make us kind of sit here and figure it out. But here's the problem I have. The projected starting pitcher and the number three pitcher on this rotation, Dan, came from Baltimore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a problem for me because that's not an organization you should be poaching if you're trying to push into contention. It's just not. It's just not how you win, you know? And, and I understand, you know, Garrett Cole came from Pittsburgh and, and Musgrove came from Pittsburgh and, and you've got some bad teams that have had had some guys, but it's not like people were dying for Dylan Bundy and Alex Cobb. Am I wrong in saying this? Well, 
I mean, we should separate the two. Dylan Bundy was a former top prospect where every, like, for five years in a row in Baltimore, people thought this was the year, this was the year, this okay. was the year. So maybe, I mean, maybe we want to, you know, group them into um, one of those organizations that are not good at getting the best out of their prospects. So I, I know what you mean. Like, you don't want to go poach from a team that's bad at developing, but maybe you do want to go poach from a team that's bad at developing because you, you can get more out of those guys. Um, you know, in, in Bundy's a fly ball pitcher, which does, it just doesn't match up with Camden yard. So I would like to separate those two. That's fair. I, I think Bundy is a solid player. I think, um, I mean, we might've seen two, you know, his ceiling outcome last year, but I still think he's way better than the pitcher we saw in Baltimore. I will say that. So, um, okay. Alex Cobb, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to go to bat for Alex Cobb, but he's, he, I don't think he's terrible either, you know? Yeah. So, and that's what I mean. And then you bring in uh, Quintana, it, yeah. you, you, you have a, the makings of a starting five there, right? Right. So, um, I, I like them a bit and I just want, I just want to believe that, um, Mike Trout will to get to the playoffs at some oh, point in his career too. here. So I, I, I want, and this is, might be the year to put it together. I mean, we haven't gotten to all the teams here, but it's, it's a pretty weak division as a whole. So um, I, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I would say if there's a division winner upset here, it would mm. be the angels that, that if I were saying which team, you know, which non-favorite wins this division, I would say it's the angels. Well, it's only plus 300. So people are doing this. <laughs> people are doing this. Okay. Is Trout still your jersey? I mean, yeah, you could be a fan of any team, and I think you would want to want to get Mike Trout. But, I mean, they have other nice players that should be there. I mean, Otani would be a cool jersey. Anthony Rendon is a player I've always liked. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's some stuff there. Uh, another guy to really watch, though, um, I know you love my deep names. Uh, Jer Jared Walsh, the first baseman, had a uh, really nice short sample size last year. He will likely compete for time at first base um, with Pujols. No, he's going to play. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I shouldn't say compete. He will probably be on the better, on the heavier end of a 60-40 platoon yeah. with um, with some other guys. But it, if there's any injuries to Pujols or, or anything like that, I think you know he could really take that that job. There's legit pop. He's probably not a 300 hitter he put up last year, but um, I like Jared Walsh quite a bit. So on a, from a deep perspective, I'll go with him for a jersey. I like it. I like it. Yeah, this is going to be like a curtain call year for Pujols, if I had to guess. Uh, it's time to get some of these kids more action, and there's a couple down there. So this is a team that could do two things. They could they could blossom as a unit, or they could make, honestly, a, a sizable trade with a couple of prospects. They, they could, Dan. There's two or three names on that list in, in the minor league system that, that would at least be attracted to a couple of franchises right now, and if they if they smell that division in June, they're gonna have to go. They're gonna have to push because they just haven't been there enough in the Mike Trout era, and they know it. And everybody's been screaming at him for it, ourselves included. Uh, so there is a trade to be had if there if it's worth their time. So if you believe in and there's a contention chance here, then I'm gonna have to go over on them too because I'm gonna believe they're gonna make that move in July. Yeah, and, and on that point, you know, to sort of follow up on our Detroit point we made a couple yeah. episodes ago. Um, 
the owner, like they're, they're spending, if they're in contention, they have money, their owner will spend. Oh, so yeah, they, I, they, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. If they're close and they think this is the time to go, they will go, you know, maybe it's a Matt Boyd or somebody small like that, or maybe it's a monster name that we're not even thinking about right now. So yeah, I, um, I, I like that a lot. Mike. I, I think I might go bet that now, right after, uh, after we talk, you've kind of talked to me, we've talked each other into it here. <laughs> There's always money in the Disney admission stand, Dan, always. They just yeah, need sure. a reason to spend it. The Oakland A's at 86.5. Tell me why this is correct, because this one almost made me vomit. I don't really want to tell you why it's correct. I think my Angels prediction there is mm-hmm. a lot with Oakland in mind. I don't – I think they subtracted more than they added, and what they're hoping for rebounds out of, um, like, you know, guys like Ramon Laureano that they didn't quite get. Right you know, a lot of, a lot of production out of last year. So, um, and, and on that same note, the, the pitchers, I mean, they had a lot, they have some nice young pitchers that were expected to take a forward, a step forward last year. Um, some injury concerns, just some overall, not, you know, coming, coming to fruition. So I don't love this team. I, I think their offense is hard to project playing in that ballpark. Um, you know, things like that. I, 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 I mean, their number is close to the Astros. I, I, I don't think they're correct. You know, I, I would, I would say it's the Astros, the Angels, and then the A's in this division. Okay, so. so we're both under. I do like the arms too on this team, and we always do. We always like Oakland's pitching staff. That's just how they've operated for thirty years now. They, they are one of those farms that can develop, and they usually get good value out of those arms eventually before the before the price tag comes up. Um, I do not like this this batting lineup one iota. And I'm rooting for it to tank for a personal reason, because I'm hoping that Matt Chapman is the next third baseman of the New York Mets soon. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned the the losses versus the gains, and I did this little war differential I've been referencing. They added a projected 3.3 and lost a projected 14.3, Dan. They're negative 11, the highest loss differential of any team this offseason. So you tell me why that that team's going to win 87 games. I don't think they can. I just don't mean even I totally agree there. I think that I mean, maybe this is the one that sticks out to me across the league, maybe most, you know, like I I just don't I I think there's a lot of uh, hoping that they're going to get back to what people thought they might be last year. But, yeah, you lose Liam Hendricks, you lose Marcus Simeon. Yeah. 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 Stella, you know, roll roll more more of a role type player, but still very important in that lineup. Yeah, I don't. I don't like anything about this team, really. Is Mike Fires your jersey? That's kind of like a, a, you know, a call out to what he did with the Astros. I uh, I I would maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Mike. <laughs> I, <laughs> I um. I mean, I would maybe lean towards one of those young pitchers with this one, but just for safety's sake, I'll say who I already brought up, Ramon Laureano. Yeah. I think he's a nice, um, you know, he could be a four, maybe five tool player. Um, I love me some young, athletic center fielders. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no. So I like him a lot. I think I would, I would lean that. Way. Which, uh, which of the pitchers takes the step? Frankie is it Chamonet? Who's going to take that step this year? I would probably say Frankie Montas. Yeah, yeah. I do too. I, I mean, maybe Lazardo is that guy and he's got a lot of juice in that arm. Uh, I'm, 
bad phrasing sorry um <laughs> maybe uh yeah maybe he yeah maybe Manaya. i think at this point we kind of know what Manaya is mm-hmm. and it's a good not great pitcher but you know really dependable middle of the rotation starter um you know some some people in fantasy circles really like chris bassett it's probably more of a cost thing because he's free but um he's another name people are mentioning so um yeah, I would I would go with either Montas or, or Lazardo in terms of taking a step forward. Yeah. Let's finish it off with the Houston Astros. They are the preemptive favorite again in this division. 87.5 is the number. They lose George Springer, Chris Davinsky, pretty good Bob, you know, bullpen arm. They add Jason Castro. I I, am, I imagine he's going to be one of those platoon catchers. Um and really not much more, Dan. I mean, Pedro Baez, that, that's an arm. Steve Sizik is an arm. They, they've kind of bolstered the middle of their bullpen a little bit. They didn't really replace Springer. They didn't think they had to because of the Tucker situation and a couple of their pieces, Miles Straw. There's probably enough here on an everyday lineup basis, but are they deep enough to win this division? Um, yeah, so I know I've... I, I, to answer your question, yes. I think they are deep enough um, to win the division, but again, that is more of a testament to the weakness of this division. Um, I like a lot of their pieces really to paint a broad stroke. This is the classic case of a annual world series contender in the middle of a transition. And quite honestly, they're better suited than most teams that would go through this sort of period are. Um, they have a lot of nice young arms. still. they have some nice young position players still. Um, the, it's, you know, the roster is not going to blow your doors off, but you know, looking around in comparison to other teams in this division, I think they are quite a bit better than, than the majority. So, so you mentioned they're kind of transitioning from being a legit contender to maybe slipping down a little bit, maybe coming back to earth a bit. What does that mean then for Carlos Correa? One of those shortstops we didn't even mention before. I mean, he's expiring. He's a nice player. He's, he's a little up there in age in in comparison. I mean, he's going to be 27 soon. Um, that's about right for these, t- these kind of extensions. Is he a six to seven year kind of extension guy here or is, are we going to see this guy test the market? I, you know, I'm going just off of what I've heard and more and pretty recently I had heard that he's expressed interest in specifically staying in Houston. I guess he does a lot with charities and, you know, local, local events and things like that. Um, and he really likes being, being a part of that organization in that city. So, um, he is probably your prime example to take sort of a quote unquote hometown discount and stay right where he is rather than chasing money. So I think, I I don't know about the years. There are some, you know, injury hesitation Mm -hmm. there, but, um, I could see him getting like a, you know, uh, a middle of the road short, you know, maybe five year deal, something like that to to stay right there. I, I don't, he's the guy I'm kind of like eliminating from the, the, you know, the carousel of, of shortstops that are going to be available. I, I think he will stay put. Yeah. 87 and a half. Were you on that number? I'm going to go over just because of the division. Really? I, I, I know a couple of weeks ago, I talked about them as a, as a bet that I really liked. There has been some injuries that have happened since there. So it, it takes a little bit of the polish off of um, what I previously liked, but there are still uh, some nice pieces here that, that I, I think that, you know, it's their division to lose. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. The pitching staff has been kind of decimated here, hasn't it? It's, uh, but again, that's a piece that that's something they can go and get. That is certainly right. something and, they can upgrade. 
and the names they, I mean, they did bring in older easy. He's mm-hmm. a nice stabilizer. Um, and, and the young guys that they have are, are relatively unknown, but I, I think, um, could be a little bit more prevalent this time next year. So, so watch out for some of them, but yeah, I, 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 I like this team in context. Don't love them. Uh, you know, world series wise. So, so who's the Jersey? Um, I'll just go with Kyle Tucker. I think mm. he is a guy we've heard about maybe three, four years now. Like he's like, he was a, sort of the next in line that they would, you know, every year we thought they were going to bring him up, bring him up and, and they never did. And, um, you know, theoretically he is ready to, to come in and make a full-time impact. So he's a, he's a younger player that I think I would, uh, the projections hit. are nuts for Tucker, 25 homers, 100 RBIs, 25 stolen bases. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, he's, I mean, for a guy <laughs> who has really only had several cups of coffee in the league, like he's like a third round pick in fantasy this year. So I, I mean, I, I'm not there. I like him a lot, but I, um, yeah, a lot of people in the industry love him. So this was fun. Nice young player. Yep. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good stuff, man. All right. See ya. All right. My thanks to the athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off and tons of ad-free content to Dynasty owner. It is Dynasty fantasy football season, folks. Start building your rosters and prepping your rosters for the 2021 season, just like the actual NFL teams are doing with actual NFL contracts. DynastyOwner.com gets you started there. My thanks to Cousin Dan. Another great baseball segment, kind of winding down our off-season preview. We are one week away from opening day. And from the Mets being 1-0, hopefully. It's my thanks to Cousin Dan. And, of course, Scott Allen, all the great work he did on the trade deadline. A ravished trade deadline. Good stuff. I mean, pretty much the names we wanted to go went. And uh, that'll do. The NBA is never boring. I'll say it over and over again. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Podcast.